Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Chronically Mom podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Pickens. My son, Maddox, is almost 10 months old now. We live in Baltimore, Maryland um, with my husband, Matt, who's actually going to be our guest today. So uh, first off, I wanted to thank you all who listened to our first relaunch episode from two weeks ago. I am so pumped that we were able to just get out there and share that with you guys, and I am looking forward to having some additional guests on and really continue to dig into those topics that we discussed. I have been trying so hard to get my husband to do a podcast episode with me um, since before when I was doing the Chronically Bomb podcast, and he never would want to. Um, finally, I was able to convince him this week um, because it is a topic that we're both pretty passionate about, and he um, has really wanted to be able to um, get the word out to new dads um, just about um, being a new father, um, experiencing um perinatal mood disorders from a non-birthing parent perspective. Um, And actually, this week on the 21st, we're recording this on the 23rd, um, that was International um, Father's Mental Health Day. So um, between that and Father's Day, it's just kind of perfect that we are going to jump into this this week. So um, without further ado, let me introduce my husband, Matt Pickens. All right, Matt, I know that you don't want to be here. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Matt, I am so excited to have you here. This is my husband, Matt Pickens. Hello. Do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, mm-hmm. what you do. Uh, sure. So, you know, I'm Michelle's better half, <laughs> Matthew yeah. Benjamin Pickens. <laughs> uh, currently a nurse at St. Agnes. Uh, father to a huge, almost 10 month old baby <laughs> and thriving. So I don't, you know, what yeah. else we got to say here? <laughs> yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I know that you, um, have been reluctant to join me on podcasts in mm-hmm. the past. For those of you who don't know, Matt is just what well, you probably don't know, but Matt does not really want to take part in any social media. So it's really interesting. He is, um, pretty quiet in those areas. And then there's me who literally shares everything possible, um, about our lives. So there's a bit of juxtaposition there, but I appreciate you coming on to talk about this. Um, so with it being father's day and then, uh, just having a father's mental health day, I wanted to ask you, how was your experience different than what you expected when we had Maddox? Well, I guess I can go in saying I did not do enough research beforehand, so I kind of thought I knew everything, and, you know, from minute one, I realized that that was wrong. (laughs) Um, You know, with COVID and everything, I never really got a chance for anybody to show me initially how to hold a baby, or a newborn at least, how to, you know, feed a one-day-old baby. You know, it was just me and Michelle for two, three days, I think, in the hospital. 
you know, limited interaction with the nurse. She couldn't get out of bed. So, you know, it was initially kind of frustrating, kind of scary. Um, but since then, I think it's, you know, it's gotten a lot better. We've, uh, it's easier, you know, this is a, the, he's at the age now where this is kind of envisioned where he'd be the entire time. So it's probably more on me not being, uh, educated enough more so than, uh, where we are now. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you sharing. Um, I think, you know, you said you feel like it's on you. It's interesting because in our society, I feel like there's so much support for the birthing parent or for the mom um, and just around preparation. And then, you know, I say there's so much support, but so much support compared to support for a non-birthing parent. Um, But, you know the minimal support that there is for uh, postpartum care, it is mainly for the mom. um, And there isn't necessarily that additional support for the non-birthing parents. So it is totally understandable that you would kind of be in that, in that mental kind of headspace there. Um, do you feel like there are any coping tools or support groups or what kind of got you through when that expectation was different? Or do you feel like there weren't really those resources available to you? Um, well, you know, I I couldn't have gotten through these first couple of months if I didn't do a shout out to my both my in-laws and my own parents. They... Uh, really have done the bulk of kind of educating me on being a father, Um, especially both my mother and my mother-in-law. You know, I, you can read books, you can listen to what other people say more, um, but you're never going to know how to be a dad until it actually happens. You know, there might be an opportunity for more resources, you know. Yeah. You know, the support groups beforehand or, you know, opportunities for other things. I don't know if I didn't ever know if there's a podcast for new dads or any type of websites or anything else like that. You know, you know, this is a book, what to expect when you're expecting, but... You know, other than you didn't that, read that. I did not read that. <laughs> Maybe something that's more digestible. Digestible. I you know, think... the 20, 30-minute podcast or... I don't know if they do something on while well, sports were going on, you know, <laughs> with the commentary. A little PSA. This baby or a little two minute quick snippet or something might have been helpful, but. Who's, who's like a new dad sports guy that could come on and talk exactly. to you? Jay Cutler? Uh, Lamar Jackson had a son <laughs> and wanted to talk about uh, raising kids and I'd be. Uh, You'd be all ears. I'd to it all the whole time. Oh, that's funny. Multiple times. That's funny. Um, well, I appreciate you sharing that. Hopefully, you know, maybe that's a corner of the market or an area of the market that you can kind of corner there. You can start your own mm-hmm. dad podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sound so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know and I, I've been pretty open on the podcast and on my blog and social media about how I struggled with um, postpartum uh, anxiety and postpartum OCD. How do you feel like that impacted you um, postpartum? And then do you feel like 
there was any support really given to you around being a partner to someone that was struggling with that? Um, you know, I definitely felt some postpartum, you know, I didn't get birth to the dramatics, but, you know, in the initial first couple months with him, it can be frustrating. There's a lot of life changes. You, you know, you sleep less, you worry more about him. Um, you have less free time to enjoy yourself like you <laughs> to used play to. Xbox. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, re- what did you say, resources is the question? Do you feel like from being a partner to me who was struggling from anxiety and OCD, do you feel like there were resources for you on like how to deal with me and that situation? Or do you feel like you're just kind of like thrown into it? Like uh, I'm definitely thrown into it. Like, you know, I did not know what I was getting to. Like I, you know, as a nurse, I work with a lot of women. You know, they talk about having newborn babies, but you know, you never, you know, I, I don't live with them. I don't see them when they're having their, you know, neurotic or kind of... Okay, you um, cannot say neurotic. Postpartum. It's not neurotic. (laughs) Postpartum kind of... Hormonal, you you mean? Hormonal, sure. Yes, yes. uh, changes. But, you know, it's like like everything else I've pretty much done since Max was born. You know, you got to wing it, almost. (laughs) I like to improvise, although I know you don't like to. Yeah. Yeah, I go into something without a plan, and you, you know, whereas you're planning for hours before anything happens um but yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um another thing I wanted to touch on and I shared this a little bit in the first episode when we started to really struggle and kind of get to a, a tough place in both of our mental state um when we were in those first couple of months with Maddox we definitely pulled away from family and pulled away from your family how do you feel like having that conversation and sharing what you were going through maybe changed the course of how things were going for us or the relationship that they had with Maddox you know um initially after Max was born you know I'd be scared about everything I know you shared the same thing about him Especially because he was born right around when COVID was making a having a second wind and coming back, um, so I really didn't want him to meet anyone, and I'm not the type of person to be confrontational, so I didn't want to have those difficult conversations that were necessary to you know tell everybody what kind of boundaries I wanted everyone to set as far as meeting him, as far as you know how, how much you know what they could do I don't want to tell people how to live their life but at the Mm -hmm. same time I want I wanted them to be part of our family um so I feel like you know we had to sit down we talked to them about you know what our expectation of them was if they wanted to see Maddox you know I wanted them to be a part of everything because they're just as much of it um just a bigger part of his life as his in-laws are and me and Michelle um So I feel like that actually helped, you know, not only our relationship with them, but it helped me and Michelle's relationship because it didn't, we didn't have, that was probably the biggest argument we had in the first (laughs) several months of his life was kind of having, you know, setting boundaries, especially, you know, November, December when COVID numbers were really picking up a lot and I kind of didn't want to have the conference conversation with everyone and she's like gun ho so, um, you know, that, and like I said, it definitely, you know, just 
communicating and being open with everyone definitely helped everything for us. So I feel like it definitely took a toll on our relationship too, because you're kind of like, yeah, 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 I'll communicate this with my family and, or your side of the family. And I'm like, okay, and I'll communicate with my side. And then when we kind of all sat down, I'm like, wait, like, are, what, why is the standard not the same? And you were kind of like, well, I didn't actually do it. So mm-hmm. I think that that created some struggle with us. But um, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think through you being really open and in sharing the anxiety that you were having and the kind of like isolation that we were going through, mm-hmm. I think that made your relationship with your mom and dad a lot better. Yeah, no, I think definitely, you know, a lot of that had to do with me, you know, me. Again, I do not like confrontation. As <laughs> most people who know me know, I'm probably one of the least confrontational people you meet. Um, so, you know, just bringing it up to them and everything while, you know, inside I was, it, it hurt me just because that's not the person I am. But, you know, in the end it did bring a lot about a positive change and it improved, you know, I think my whole family's relationship together because we kind of grew as a unit over that, you know, three, four months period where mm-hmm. we kind of just buckled down, only really saw ourselves. Uh, we had like a bubble almost. And I, you know, I think that we're at the point we're at now is a lot stronger than it would have been if we hadn't done this earlier. Yeah. So I guess... For other dads or other, you know, families, um, whether it's in COVID or not, Mm. what advice would you have for them on communicating with family and kind of setting boundaries up front? Um, Well, if I had to give any advice to any dad, it'd be definitely don't have a baby during a pandemic. (laughs) I think that causes more stress than anything else, especially if it's your first one. Um, But... Um, you know, was it quite advice to I've already lost <laughs> advice, advice, um, advice around like setting boundaries or communicating um, with your family. Like what I, would I you mean, tell other people? I think communication is key, especially if you're going to be around your family all the time. Like, you know, I can't, I don't think if I had the, if I had, we hadn't had the conversation with my parents that they would have offered us so much help or, you know, we would have, you know, been communicating so much to tell them that we needed more help than, you know, we had, like, I know yeah. at the beginning I was, you know, with him not sleeping, him, you know, constantly, when he's not sleeping, waking up and wanting to eat. <laughs> just you know, baby just, things. Just baby <laughs> things and, you know, not having, not, you know, knowing what to do and time management skills and kind of everything like that, you know, have, just having the opportunity to have someone else watch him for two hours or something is almost a lifesaver. So, you know, I, you know, the fact that we set these boundaries and everything really, you know, made my life easier. I know it made Michelle's life easier. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know I, my parents appreciated the ability, communication. the communication for one. And, you know, just the ability to, you know, feel like everybody's like together. Everybody's on the same page as far as what the expectations are. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I noticed a big change in you too when you opened up, um, I think you were keeping a lot of things really close to your heart and it was difficult to maybe share with me because I, I was going through my own stuff, but 
when you opened up and started to share more, especially with your mom, about struggles mm-hmm. that you were having and just calling her every day and having that open communication, it like your whole demeanor changed, your mood changed. And I've done a lot of reflecting on that um, because there's so much there there's so much of that expectation that men or dads have to like have it all together and like can't kind of break down or have their own struggles and like I I know that you kind of struggled with that where you're like you didn't want to let anyone else in to let them know like hey maybe things aren't okay or like maybe we need help you just kind of wanted to handle it yourself but then things got so much better when you you Mm kind of said that you needed help do you think that there's sort of a, a stigma out there that dads can't break down the same way that, you know, maybe moms can or that you kind of have to have it all together. What did that look like for you? Well, I don't know. You know, as a dad, you need, you know, them with them, you know, as your wife, you know, or the mother, you know, they're, they're at their low point after birth. You know, they, they're, you know, just, you know, they pushed a human out of their body, whether it be vaginally or uh, through C-section you know, they're kind of at a weak point, you know, physically, you know, they're exhausted, they're, you know, hormonal changes. So, you know, as a father, you need to be the, you're, it's kind of expected that you're kind of like the rock, like the one that's going to be there to help them, you know, adjust after and, you know, kind of take care of the baby in the immediate aftermath of the, you know, the birth. Um, so, you know, there's the expectation that you're going to be the one that's kind of steady, cool, you know, the one that's emotions aren't, you know, changing, you know, over the course of the next weeks and months, you know, they're the ones that kind of, um, you know, the kind of the anchor, the anchor in the storm to kind of keep everything, you know, right where it's supposed to be and not, you know, not. You know, you want to be, especially you want to appear like you're the strong one or that everything's okay. So it's easy to fall into that pattern where, you you know, you you think it's okay, but, you know, internally, you kind of know it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, to kind of piggyback off of that, what are some struggles that you feel are unique to dads are unique to the non-birthing parent that maybe aren't talked about as much well you know just generally taking care of a baby like the like you know you've had that you had Maddox in your stomach for eight eight months and change and had all this time feeling him kicking and doing everything inside of you to kind of plan what was going to happen next when he comes out me, on the other hand, there's, you know, I don't have something kicking in me to remind me that he's always coming. So when he is out in the world, it's like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, he's mine. I'm responsible for this little guy now. It, it, you know, it's, it's a big adjustment. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, what do you wish you would have known? If you could kind of pick, like, the top three things or not even things you would have known or like ways that you would have prepared or things that if you had a best friend that had already had a baby and they were like, dude, I have to tell you, these are the three things that like you 
have got to know before you have a baby, like, what what would they have been? Or, like, what would you tell that next person? Um, I mean, mainly, if I was telling anybody, it'd be, like, how to <clears throat> help get the baby, you know, getting him to sleep, making sure he's consistent with naps, because I think that's a game changer. You know, kind of, you know, initially setting a schedule for the baby so he can kind of, you know, knows you can kind of plan your life around his schedule once you kind of get him set and everything. Because, the, you know, if you let the baby dictate everything, you're never going to, you know, everything's going to be chaotic, unplanned. Um, you know, you'll never find time for yourself if you're always constantly, like, living on the seat of your pants, almost improvising. You know, I mean, that's part of it is improvising, but I think a lot of it has to do with planning beforehand. You know, and I also tell uh, dad that you know, think about what they're, you know, how much stuff goes into carrying a baby around. Like, <laughs> sometimes I'll try to walk, walk out the door without um, taking anything with me, and then I'll be like, oh, shit. I need to. <laughs> I forgot literally everything. Like, what's he going to eat? Diapers, wipes. It's almost like you're bringing a whole entourage with you wherever you go with the baby. Like, he's got, it's like baby plus bag. It's almost like you have two things you're, uh, <laughs> you're dragging around with you. Yeah. So that's a, I mean, that's a big life. That's a big game changer. I would say. Definitely, definitely. Mm. Um, last kind of deep thing I want to touch on, and then we'll talk about some more lighthearted stuff. Um, I mentioned before in in the previous podcast, um, just a little bit about Maddox's birth and that. He came early and it was kind of unexpected and he was very briefly in the NICU. Um, how do you feel like that, I don't want to say non-conventional because, you know, plenty of women have had a similar situation, but it was a bit more of a traumatic birth experience than I guess we were expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel that that played a part on your mental state and your ability to bond with Maddox immediately? Mm, you know, I know that, you know, this had probably affected you more than affected me. Um, I got to see the baby before you did, so I feel like I almost got to see him probably 20, 30 minutes after he was born, um, which was probably uh, at least... You saw him like two hours after not two he hours. was born. It was not two hours. It might have been two hours for you. You only had to spend three hours down there. It was six hours. Yeah, but he had this, we were at the other room beforehand. I don't think you remember this. I saw him a lot quicker than you did. And then they brought him in in the middle of the night. He came in at like midnight and I had him at 6.30. Yes. And we got to the other room at 9. You saw him at 9. Oh, you saw him before, right yeah. after? Pretty much, yeah. I saw you him saw right, him right when he went to the NICU. Yeah, I saw him right then and then oh they God. took me to the other room and then you... They took you afterwards, so I. I met like them. don't remember. I was on so I much met them within the first hour, so. Oh I mean, okay. It's just I... Like they they had him in the room. They cleaned him up. They had you know they had the tube down his nose, and you know he looked perfectly fine to me. I heard him cry before he left the, uh, the OR after they took you him out. You did. Of yeah, I've told you this before. Oh my God! No, I he don't whine. It wasn't like a full like blast that... cry, but he was whining. He was breathing at that time. Oh my God! That like makes you want to cry because I, like, the biggest thing was like I never heard him cry when he came out, and that was that whole. I think like... you were focused on other things, so he definitely cried right before they wheeled him oh out. I think God. you were focused on them taking him out and then telling you they were going to take him to the NICU, but he was definitely you know making noises before well, he they wheeled oh him God. out. 
How did yeah. it feel when you like saw him for the first time? Were you just like, holy fine. shit? I was like, he's super purple. Like, I, I was like, <laughs> okay. He didn't cry initially. You know, it wasn't like the other the other C-section bursts that I've seen, you know, in nursing school. You know, I, you know being behind the... Um, behind the, the curtain. Yeah, the curtain. <laughs> On the other side. Uh, yeah, it's a lot different than seeing him in action, you know. But it was, you know, it's an experience. You know, we didn't get the same, you know, the experience I think 75% of parents that have a C-section get to see. But, you know, that, you know, I, I know you think about it all the time, but... Uh, you know, you know me, I don't like thinking about the, the negatives. I don't like yeah. to dwell on the fact of what could have been. I like to think about what is. So, yeah. you know, I, it doesn't buy, it doesn't make me so sad as it makes you. Cause yeah. I'm definitely, you know, I, you know, I think you're thinking like what could have happened to him if, you know, if he hadn't, you know, started breathing or started crying during after the, the, uh, C-section. But, you know, I like to think about the fact that he was okay afterwards. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, for me, that's just my way of moving past things. I don't like to dwell on the past. Yeah. I have a, I think I, in my opinion, I have a good ability to kind of push things away that I don't need to think about <laughs> and kind of just keep moving forward. It's a good thing think, and a bad thing, according to therapists. <laughs> teach their own. <laughs> teach their own. Um, but, you know... You know, that first just, you know, it is scary seeing your son with a tube down his nose, being under a light, you know, not near you or near me, not with his parents. Um, But, you know, initially seeing him in the NICU, you could tell that he would be okay. He definitely had his color back. He was crying. He was trying to pull everything out. (laughs) He's kind of just like he is now. He (laughs) makes the rules to the show and you just are following along. If he doesn't want to do something, he's not going to do it. So, you know, I mean, I think our birth experience was unique in that way, I guess, in a way. So that kind of makes it special. I wouldn't change it at this point. Nothing bad happened. So, you know, I'd look back on it kind of fondly. I know you might have nightmares, but (laughs) I don't... That's that's a good way to think of it. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Um, and I, I, this is actually really interesting because you and I haven't sat down and like really talked about the birth story. Like, I feel like that's not true. I just had, you know, well, usually it's like me saying, oh my gosh, I'm like having this like flashback from it. And like, for me, it was a lot more traumatic than it was for you. A lot of drugs though. They're kind of, yeah, I was, I don't know what was going on. Space your memory out here. But, well, no, but then, but then having a a conversation about it, it, it's, it's really interesting to hear, you know, your, your perspective Mm. and kind of your experience. Um, let's jump into some more lighthearted fun stuff though. Um, I guess, what are your favorite things about being a dad? Um, well, <laughs> definitely my favorite things about being a dad started probably uh, when he was hitting that four-month range where he actually, you know, he has a personality now. He has qualities that you can see, take from both you and from me. I mean, despite what you may think, I still think he looks 95% like me. <laughs> Maybe he has your hair. 
Um, he does. But, yeah, so I know he's mine now. I mean, oh my I knew God. the beginning, but... He popped out looking identical to Matt. Every Dre was out. Person. Dre was out. No. Every Dre single person was like, oh my God, no. this baby is identical mm. to Matt. Um, and now he's just as blonde, so he Now he's just like blonde, me. big boy that likes to eat almost every hour. Um, but, you know, he likes to play. He loves to laugh. He... You know, he's getting this period where he doesn't, if he doesn't get his way, if he doesn't get to hold your phone, or <laughs> if he, you know, if the food's uh, not to his liking, he will let you know it. He will let you know he's the boss. He knows how to ham it up for his, for his grandparents. <laughs> he can bat one eye, and they are right there trying to do whatever he needs, figure out what, what he's trying to do. Uh, so I think he's gonna, as he gets older, he's gonna... Definitely abuse that. Um, but, you know, every day, every day's honestly an adventure with him now. I mean, you know, at the beginning it's rough. He doesn't, you know, he's, he's just a baby. You don't have a personality. You don't really get that opportunity to really make a connection with them. Um, you don't get to see the light in his eyes when you walk in the door or his smile so much. But now, you know, either me and Michelle walk in, you know, he can see him smile. He kicks his feet. He, you know, puts his arms out for you. So, you know, the last five months have been, you know, probably my favorite months <laughs> of the entire thing. Yeah. Um, so know, it's just the little things about him that you notice that really you know, make you enjoy him. Did you, did you think that it was going to be this great when you were kind of going through those first few months? Because I remember you in those first few months, like you just didn't really bond with him too much and you were just kind of like what is this like blob that like shits and cries all the time and like just screams for a bottle you know i don't know what was wrong with me i think i went in with the expectation nothing that was wrong with you no Hold i think on, I'm going nothing ex- was wrong okay. with you i think nothing i went in with the with expectation that he would be come out at his four-month personality phase. Okay, can we pause not really that. quick? I would, nothing was wrong with me, sure. Yes, nothing was wrong with you because I, I think... I think I just was thinking most, the wrong way. Mo- no, not most dads that I've spoken to think that. Like, they're, they're like, okay, a baby, they're going to come out and be like this, you know, not self-sufficient, but a lot more self-sufficient than they actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like what else is communicated to you guys? Like, other than, mm-hmm. like, okay, here's a kid. You get to play with them and, like, go to a pool with them and stuff. It's, yeah, like, no. there's not... I mean, there there's information if you go searching for it, but, like, mainstream media isn't, like, okay, here's how freaking difficult it is to be a new dad. Mm-hmm. And so I... I I don't think anything's wrong with you. Okay. I think you had a very words. similar expectation to what a lot of dads think. But, you know... Uh, like she's saying, the first few months I went in thinking that he'd be like, you know, he'd already be smiling, noticing me and everything. You know, you do a lot of work for, and you know, for almost what I want to say, little reward almost, or at least little recognition from him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, now you do stuff for him, he smiles and everything, but the beginning, you know, you're feeding him, you're changing his diaper, you're putting him to sleep, you know, they're either half their eyes are closed already, or, you know, they're, they're just not, uh, they're not able to show you, you know, that they appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. So now, you know, you get more, 
you get more uh, bang for your buck, I think, <laughs> for <laughs> when you do things. Definitely, definitely. Um, so I know that our relationship is kind of... Um, developed for sure over the course of us becoming parents because it was a little unique because we were apart from each other um during my pregnancy for a bit um because of covid and you working in the hospital um and then we kind of came together again and it was like okay we're having this baby then we had the baby and we had Maddox and we're thrown into it you're struggling I'm struggling we're disagreeing about things, we're fighting, we're on, you know, running on low sleep, pretty irritable. Um, but then we got to a point now where I think we're we're in a lot better space. How do you feel like we got there? What advice would you give for other couples as they're going through potentially a tough time, which a lot of couples do go through? Um, after having a new baby. You know, I'd probably say to try not to take your frustration out on your significant other. It's very easy to. You're not going to take it out on the baby. Because, you know, in the back of your head, you know it's not the baby's fault. But it's very easy to fall into a trap of uh, blaming your significant other because either they, you know, they're half of the DNA for said baby. So <laughs> it's easy to think that the, you know, all the issues with the baby, whether it be not like throwing up or not sleeping, come from the, uh, your partner's side of the things rather than your own. Um, you know, so I would kind of think that it's a, you know, it's a give and take kind of thing. You got to, you know, I think we've worked it out where it's kind of, we kind of make deals of who's got what nights. You know, it's a hell of a lot easier now than it was those first couple months. Um, cause he, you know, he'd be getting up all hours of the day. I mean, now he, he'll barely nap, he'll, but he'll sleep <laughs> at night for the most part. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, you kind of got to take time to uh, also connect with your other one. You kind of got to work at it. It's it's not my best feature to work <laughs> at a relationship. So I thank God that it's one of Michelle's better features. Um, but you kind of just have to appreciate them for what they do. Show them, you know, that you acknowledged, you know, the effort they're putting into you know, and, you know, it's the little things, whether it be the fact they load the dishwasher, the clean up all the bottles and everything, or they're doing the laundry for the baby, which does, happens every freaking day. <laughs> um, you know, it's, th that's what's going to keep it going through the first couple of months, which are usually the, you know, it, well, I shouldn't say usually, I've only had one baby, but... <laughs> Uh, which you only have 10 months of experience in my experience the first two uh, you know one to three months were the roughest and you know after you kind of weather that storm it gets you know much more uh, much easier and much more enjoyable for both the couple uh, both the couple and the baby yeah mm -hmm. well that was a lot I appreciate you sharing this more than you know mm -hmm. I think there's definitely a lack of fathers sharing kind of the realness of their experience. And I think that you're going to be able to reach a lot of people by just, you know, being open with your experience, becoming a new dad. Mm -hmm. um, you 
are an absolutely amazing father. I could <laughs> I could I not toot my own horn. But. I could not have imagined mm-hmm. anyone else being a dad to Maddie because you're just like the most <laughs> oh my god. You're the most amazing dad. You're so hands-on with him now. He lights up when you walk in the room. So as difficult of a start as we both might have had, um I'm just so proud of where we've come and I'm, I'm or proud of where we've gotten to. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just, I appreciate your partnership through all of this and Thank I'm you. happy that you're, you know, we're by each other's sides. Yeah, me too. I'm glad, you know, I wouldn't change anything at this point. <laughs> at this I can't, point? I can't, you know, at the beginning, uh, you know, you, you think about you know, in the back of your head is like, wow, wow what the fuck did I do? Uh, but, now, <laughs> but now you're happy now, with it. Yeah, now it's totally worth it. You know, That's I can't good. imagine uh, him having a mother or anyone but you. Oh, well, so, thank you. You know, thank you for having me on here today. Of course. Of course. You know, I'll and be on on episode 100, so it'll be will you? <laughs> several years before I go back on here. Shut up! <laughs> um, any any lasting, uh, last words or advice that you want to give? To leave leave the audience with no, you know actually <laughs> no. happy wife happy life. Drop I like the mic. that one. <laughs> it works out. I like that one exactly. Well, thanks, Matt. I appreciate you being on here. That is our episode of Chronically Mom for this week. Feel free to give me a follow on Instagram at Chronically Blonde to stay up to date on any new episodes that we have. And we will be back in two weeks with a new episode. Thank you.